You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl. Writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be previewing Kentucky basketball's second game of the season against the Tennessee Volunteers. Going to talk about what we like about this matchup, what we don't. Maybe the biggest thing in this game, once again, is going to be the front court. Going to dive into that later on. And then also going to talk about what Kentucky needs out of their resume. I have got an entire Google Doc (laughs) explaining every single detail about what the Wildcats need out of their resume moving forward. So we're also going to dive into that. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube right now, we are actually live. I'm sitting here trying to adjust my chair while doing so. We are sitting here live on YouTube, so if you have any questions, you can also drop those in the chat if you would like to. So let's go ahead and get into it. Wildcats facing off against the Tennessee Volunteers tomorrow at 1 p.m. on Eastern Time. I think the biggest thing we have to get into here, starting things off, breaking this down, is the front court battle between Euros Plavšić and Oscar Shibwe. Last time these two faced off, it was an interesting battle. Kim Palm gave the MVP to Shibwe, but it was Plavsic who had 19 points and was 9 of 11 from the floor. He also didn't really get much from the free throw line. He only shot two free throws, made one of them. It was very important for the Wildcats to try and find a way to shut him down because of the other injuries that Tennessee is dealing with right now. Josiah Jordan-James... Also, Julian Phillips, two players that are not expected to play in this matchup. Severe Wheeler, C.J. Frederick, also two players for the Wildcats that are not expected to play in this game. The Wildcats, I believe, need to try and take advantage of this front court matchup. Another thing that we need to note about Tennessee, and I'll pull up the statistics here for you real quick. Tennessee, according to Kim Palm, is the fourth best offensive rebounding team in the country. You look at Kentucky, where they rank, they're first an offensive rebound percentage. So these two teams really like to crash the glass. Of course, Tennessee, a lot more height. I would argue a little bit more physicality on their end. It's interesting, though, that Kentucky was able to kind of out-rebound the Volunteers last time these two teams faced off, and it was by a pretty comfortable margin. Uh, excuse me, uh, Kentucky had 30 total rebounds as opposed to uh, 30 total defensive rebounds as opposed to Tennessee's 19 Uh, Kentucky had 13 offensive rebounds as opposed to Tennessee's four. I think that that may truly be the deciding factor in this matchup, a battle of the boards, uh, you might say, for Kentucky and Tennessee. So you look at this front court matchup, I don't think it's just Plavsic and Shibwe. I also think you have to look at guys like Jacob Toppin getting into the mix again. I want to reiterate, Julian Phillips and Josiah Josiah Jordan-James are out for this game. Tennessee's going to have to rely on some other players. I'm curious to see if they're going to be able to get the production that they want out of those guys. Uh, 
Somebody in the chat says, do you think we need to win this game in order to make the NCAA tournament? We're going to get to that in a minute. I'm going to talk about what Kentucky, I think, needs to do in order to make the NCAA tournament. I've got a whole breakdown of their entire final five games, everything in the net. We're going to get to that in just a little bit, Isaacs. Uh, so stay tuned for that. So, again, battle the boards. I think this is probably going to be another low-scoring game. That's not a shocker there. That's not a revelation. Wildcats are going to have to tough it out like they did in Knoxville. They got a really surprising win against the Volunteers in Knoxville. They're going to have to find a, a way to, some by some miracle, um, <laughs> try and get past their defense again. Kim Palm doesn't really have a lot of faith in the Wildcats scoring in this one. Uh, they project the, the Wildcats to only score 65 points, but... I think another interesting factor of this game that may bump Kentucky's scoring total up in this one is free throws. You look at what the Wildcats did on the road against the Volunteers last time. 25 total free throws. They made 22 of them as opposed to Tennessee's 10. I think we're probably going to see a little bit more of an even battle there in terms of what's happening at the foul line. But it's interesting to note that Oscar Shibway. Jacob Toppin, Antonio Reeves, and Adu Thiero all were able to get to the line and they were knocking down their shots there. What Jacob Toppin does in this one, I think is going to be interesting offensively. As we've noted, Kentucky has played better, I think, whenever Jacob Toppin has been a more efficient scorer. This most recent outing, he was 7 of 9 from the floor against Mississippi State. I'm not asking him to shoot 80 plus percent, but what I am asking him to do as Kentucky's power forward, is shoot 50% or better. If he's going to be taking these mid-range shots against Tennessee, who, again, is down a couple of front court players, he needs to be able to knock them down. Everything in this game, everything in this game, we're going to need to get these little two-point mid-range jumpers, these free throws, these rebounds. I know I'm going through a bunch of different things here that just kind of sum up, hey, Kentucky needs to do what they need to do to win the basketball game, statistically on just about every single front. But that's kind of what you kind of have to chalk it up to against a team like Tennessee, who defensively is one of the best teams of the nation. Not offensively efficient, but it's not absolutely terrible on that end of the floor. So you've just got to find little ways to claw your way through a game like this. The final thing that I'll say, Antonio Reeves played really well in this game last time these two teams faced off. He had 18 points, was 8 of 8 from the foul line. Drawing those fouls and creating those opportunities again, I think is going to be important. You note that Kentucky played essentially one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players in this rotation last time these two play, two teams faced off. Uh, Duthiero obviously getting 13 minutes. I don't think he's going to get 13 minutes in this one, but the Wildcats, they, um, they probably need to break out the bench just a little bit to let Ware and Thiero and please let Onyenzo play. That's kind of what I've chalked it up to at this point is it doesn't look like Kentucky's going to be able to get him uh, into the into any game for the rest of the season, just kind of based on what Cal said. It's like, oh, I need to play him more, and then he proceeds to not play him. So I just don't expect a whole lot in that department from Onyenzo. But uh, right now, I'm leaning towards Kentucky winning this game just simply based on what we saw previously from these two teams. Does Tennessee score 56 again? I think that's a tough question. Brad asks, are the ref going to let them play or call tight in preparation for the NCAA tournament? How do SEC refs compare? Uh, a couple of thing, things, Brad, and this is not me pushing back, just to push back. This is something I've talked about recently on the show. SE, there's no such thing as SEC officiating. What happens is in college basketball is they have a pool 
of a couple of hundred officials, and they rotate them through. Now, there are some officials that happen to officiate more conferences uh, than others. Obviously, there are some that uh, officials that co- or excuse me officiate more in the Big East. There are some that officiate more in the Big Ten. Um, but there, it's not specifically SEC officials. I want to dive into before we get to the SEC tournament what this league has been doing foul-wise compared to others because, as you'll note, Brad, a couple of years ago, it was like a 1,000 fouls more than any other Power 6 league out there. I mean, it was ridiculous how much more fouls the SEC was calling. I think part of that now that I'm starting to reflect on it is part of the way that this league operates. It's a defensive-minded league. The numbers reflect that strongly. Are the refs going to let them play? I'm not quite sure. I, I would like, I would like to see the officiating crew for this matchup and kind of get an idea of what they've done in Kentucky games prior this season. I can only assume that the crew tonight, or t- excuse me, tomorrow uh, afternoon, will be a crew that's coached, or excuse me, officiated. I keep getting officiating and coached mixed up. It's a it's a crew that's going to be have seen the Wildcats before. So... I don't really know. I think that it, you have to lean on what we saw previously, which was the fact that there were 40-plus fouls called. Um, so tight, I don't necessarily know if that's the word I would use. I would probably just say it's going to end up being a physical game, and they're, gonna, they're going to call it accordingly. That's just, that's just my thought on it. So if you've got any score predictions for this, uh, this game between Kentucky and and Tennessee. You can leave it in the comments below. If you're watching live on YouTube, you can also drop it there. Drop your thoughts on this game. Uh, If you have any questions, I may be able to get to them as we walk through the rest of the show here. Before we get to, uh, to this talk about what Kentucky needs to do in the NCAA tournament, or to get to the NCAA tournament, rather, because I have a whole list of what needs to happen, I think, for Kentucky to feel comfortable Before we get to that, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from there. You've got money line, point scores, threes drained. You've got player props as well, like points, rebounds, assists, steals, all that good stuff. More exclusive bets on top of that. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So, don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw hanging out here with you live if you're watching on YouTube. Pause for water. Really appreciate everybody tuned in. If you're not, if you've not subscribed to the show and you're watching live or post live, Subscribe. It would mean a ton to us here at Locked On Kentucky. Also, if you have not liked the video yet, please go ahead and do that. Isix asks, do you believe the officials have been unfair to Kentucky this year? Um, I don't know if I would say unfair on the whole, but there have been a couple of individual games, some of which I've been at where I have been very perplexed by the way the game was officiated. As a whole, I would not say yes to that, but there have been two or three games where I've been very 
upset with the way that the game was called. Um, I keep going back to that Michigan State game in particular, thinking about the way that that one ended. Kentucky lost that game, but there were a lot of very questionable uh, calls made by that by that officiating crew that were very frustrating to watch in person. Uh, so I don't think the officials have been completely unfair, but again, it happens. Some teams get get uh, get uh, the shaft more than others. So this is what I wanted to talk about here to kind of finish out today's episode. Kentucky is number 39 in the net rankings. I've explained several times what the net rankings are on my show. Just to briefly do it one more time, it's essentially a computer system that ranks teams in college basketball, divides them up into quadrants. You want as many quad one wins as possible. There are four quadrants. Kentucky this season is two and seven against quad one opponents. So they've beaten two really good teams. Mississippi State and Tennessee are their two quad one wins, in case anybody out there is wondering. They have five more games left in their season due to the Wildcats. Tennessee tomorrow at Florida versus Auburn versus Vanderbilt and at Arkansas. The only quad one game out of these final five is Vanderbilt. That's quad three game according to the net rankings. In case you don't know, the way that they rank all of these quadrants is pretty simple. So there are 363 teams in college basketball, right? And you would like to think that they just divvy it up by four or whatever you you may have there. But it actually depends on what you are playing at or what venue you're playing at. If you're playing at home, uh, your quadrant one game is a team that's ranked one through 30 in the net. If you're playing at a neutral site, the quadrant one opponent has to be ranked one through 50 in the net. And if it's on the road, the team can be ranked 1 through 75 in the net. So the game against Mississippi State, I think Mississippi State's ranked in like the mid-40s. If Kentucky played Mississippi State at home, that would be a quad 2 win. But because they played them on the road, it was a quad 1 victory for the Wildcats. So a little complex, but it's easy to understand what you kind of break down the different tiers. Uh, I didn't do a great job of it, but you can always find it over at NCAA.com if you just look up net rankings. So... Here are the things that need to happen for the Wildcats, starting with what happened this past weekend. Kentucky, or excuse me, on Tuesday. Kentucky needed, Wednesday actually, geez, I've got my days all mixed up. Kentucky needed a win against Mississippi State, quad one. That happened. 17-9, 8-5 in the SEC. Wildcats are now 2-7 against quad one opponents. Here's what needs to happen now. They need to beat either Tennessee or Florida. It would be nice if they beat both of these opponents, but they cannot afford to go 0-2 against Tennessee and Florida. Those are the two teams that are coming up on the schedule. Best best case scenario, if you beat those two teams, is that you're 4-7 versus quad one opponents heading into the Auburn game. You're 19-9, 10-5 in the SEC. You could be 3-8 versus quad one. You could be 18-10, 9-6 in the SEC. Notice how I'm pointing out not just the quad one resumes, but also the individual conference records potentially for the Wildcats. That's going to be important heading into this matchup with Auburn. Auburn, on the other hand, needs to not screw up against Vanderbilt or Ole Miss. Those are their two opponents before they play Kentucky. Why do we care about what Auburn's doing, you may ask? Well, Auburn currently right now is number 27 in the net. If Auburn loses against Vanderbilt or Ole Miss, they will slide out of that top 30. As we mentioned earlier, if you play a top 30 team at home, 
that is considered a quad one victory. If Auburn slides outside of the top 30, it will be considered a quad two victory. So what we need to happen is for Kentucky to beat either Tennessee or Florida, or both, can't afford to go 0-2, and they need Auburn to win their next two games to make sure that they are a quad one opponent whenever they roll into Rupp Arena. Also, I would like to note that, again, Kentucky needs to have at least one SEC victory between Tennessee and Florida whenever they go into the Auburn game because that means Auburn will likely be 10-5 and five in SEC play and UK will either be 10-5 and five or 9-6. and six. Why does the conference record matter? Well, it's not just about the NCAA tournament with quad one victories, but it's also about the SEC tournament because best case scenario, Kentucky at the end of this, after they beat Auburn, is 5-7 and seven versus quad one and they're 11-5 and five in the SEC. At that point... They will have all but clinched a double bye in the SEC tournament. Bad news is they will probably face Alabama. We did a show on this recently about the way the SEC tournament could play out and how it could benefit or really hurt Kentucky. Unless Texas A&M falls off a cliff, which I don't really see happening, Kentucky's going to get that fourth seed. We're just going to have to see what happens. This is, again, best-case scenario for the Wildcats. So, again, just to recap, what have we talked about so far? Kentucky needs to beat either Tennessee or Florida or both. They need Auburn to win their next two games. They need to beat Auburn. At this point, if if Kentucky goes 3-0, they beat Tennessee, Florida, and Auburn, they may not need to do much else, to be completely honest with you. They may just rock this one out. If they, if they, beat, if they beat Vanderbilt and lose to Arkansas, you know what? I think people would be pretty happy with that. I think that people would be pretty content, and the NCAA tournament would... At that point, consider Kentucky an at-large as like a 10 seed? I, I assume. I assume. So we continue along here. So the best case scenario after the Auburn game, 5-7 and seven versus Q1, 20-9. You could be 4-8 and eight versus Q1. The reason that I'm talking about these quad one wins, by the way, only 22 teams in the country have at least five of them. If Kentucky gets that, to that magical number five, they would almost be a lock as an at-large. So we've got, we've got what, four more opportunities within this regular season slate, and you've got another opportunity potentially in the SEC tournament, depending on what happens. So, get to that magic number five, you're probably making the NCAA tournament. Pause again for water. Apologize, just really thirsty today. We move past the Auburn game. Kentucky, again, needs to not screw up against Vanderbilt. This is not necessarily important if Kentucky wins their other four games, but it would also suck because a quad three loss would look really bad on a resume that is not currently strong. I think the, the, the most comfortable I feel about all five of these games is I think Kentucky can lose to Arkansas and be fine if they kind of take care of business elsewhere, if they really take care of business and the game against Arkansas at the end of the season is kind of a moot point because you'll have gotten your five quad one victories and you'll be prepared to do something in the SEC tournament. The Arkansas game may end up being important for that SEC record to kind of boost you up to that third seed. Probably not going to happen, but it could. Best case scenario, at the end of the season, 21 and 10, Whenever you're heading into the SEC tournament, 12 and 6 in the SEC, 5 and 8 versus quad one opponents. That's what I expect the best case scenario to be. You could be 6 and 7 if you beat Arkansas. If you just win out, you could be 6 and 7, and then everything could be hunky dory and just absolutely phenomenal. 
I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Kentucky's going to lose to Arkansas. Or, worst case scenario, they could lose out. They could go finish 17-14, and 8-10 and 10 the SEC, and then you could be looking at them maybe getting in the NIT. I mean, that's the other world where we're we're living in, where Kentucky could just all of a sudden just and just not not uh, not make anything, and then at that point they'd be falling to like what seventh or eighth in the SEC tournament, and it's just like oh well, you, you, at that point you would have to win it to get an an auto bid, and that's not happening if Alabama's got anything to say about it. So this Tennessee game tomorrow is really important to set everything up for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think Tennessee is easily the most difficult opponent they have left on their schedule. Thank goodness they get them at home. And thank goodness that they've proven concept that they can actually beat the Vols before. It was just so circumstantial the way that Kentucky beat them prior that I have concerns about tomorrow's game, obviously because it's a good opponent. But defensively, Tennessee does so many things well. And you have to wonder, is Kentucky going to be able to get 22 free throws from the foul line again? Is that going to happen? I I, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. But it also, I think, builds up momentum past just this game because, I mean, I am walking you guys through it here. This is a tough slate to end things. Vanderbilt's also not a bad team either. Vanderbilt's on a roll right now. If I'm not mistaken, they've won their last four or five. Actually, it might be six. Uh, I may be completely off. Completely off on. No, they've lost. They won their last four, and they're playing Auburn tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. Um, but that's kind of what we need to see out of Kentucky. We need to see them get to at least five quad one victories. That's what we're looking for: five quad one victories. And at that point, things just should kind of take care of themselves. So if you missed any of this. I've actually got a post about this over up at Rup Rafters, which is a message board over on Rivals. If you're going to want to go check that out, just kind of see more about the Nets, more about what I think needs to happen for these individual games. Auburn is a very interesting team to watch because of how they're fighting with Kentucky right now as that fourth seed. They're both tied in the SEC standings for fourth. So, again, that's why I want to reiterate, they need Auburn to win two games, lose to Kentucky, and then lose to Tennessee and Alabama. It's very interesting the way that all of this could play out because Auburn could just get really hot and really mess things up late or not. We'll just have to see. So that's kind of all I had for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Again, really appreciate everybody tuning in live. Got about 50 people in here right now. If you want to drop a like on the video, if you've not subscribed already, you can do that as well. Before we head out, I want to remind you guys, this is something that I try and do just about every episode. The Locked On College Basketball Podcast is absolutely phenomenal. Great stuff from Andy Patton and Isaac Shade. I actually hopped on their episode today to kind of talk a little bit more about tomorrow's game against Tennessee and what Kentucky's doing right now. If you want to check that out, you're watching on YouTube right now, just literally go and search up Locked On College Basketball Podcast. First segment of the, of the show that pops up, I'm there talking a little bit more about this. So, make sure you head over and subscribe to them as well. Again, phenomenal job that Andy Patton and Isaac Shade do over there. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hey, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, even in the YouTube comments, hit me on the socials. I will see you all on Monday for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.